Hello. <laughs> Aloha, everybody. Hello, everybody. How's it going tonight, today, this morning, whenever you happen to listen? Hey, go to bed. Go to bed. (laughs) Just kidding. That's all right. We're glad you're tuning in. Glad you're watching. Glad you're listening. However you take us in, because this one is a video episode. And so if you're watching on YouTube, what's up? How's it going? This is Iron Man. (laughs) And another thing I'd like to say is... Merry Christmas. And if you see over here, because if you're watching, you get to feast your eyes upon this magnificent masterpiece that is knitted around Dakota's body. Wow. Yes. That was a little too graphic. Yes. (laughs) I was told that this is an ugly sweater, but I consider it a work of art that you can wear. It's debatable how (laughs) ugly you could consider it, because, I mean, how often do you see the amazing infamous face of Darth Vader surrounded by crossed candy canes. <laughs> That's pretty menacing and cool. I would I And would, Christmassy. Yeah, it's very Christmassy. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> and I got it in honor of Rogue One. Rogue One. Not really. I just got it because it was cool. Okay. <laughs> you but, know you just wanted an ugly Christmas sweater. <laughs> this is this is as ugly as I get for Christmas people. <laughs> And I'm okay with that. Oh, but on that note of it being Christmas time and Dakota looking so festive over here and me looking like a Scrooge, apparently. Scrooge. Maybe we're going to get into Scrooge tonight because what we're doing tonight is we've decided, Dakota, maybe you should explain this. You kind of have a better handle on how this is going to work here. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, I guess. Okay. (laughs) I just know you can explain it better. Sometimes when me and Steven are chatting... We kind of just throw ideas out there, and one that I kind of came up with, it seems like every so often, somebody decides to take a new approach to a Christmas carol, a la Scrooged, with Bill Murray, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, or... <laughs> which you mentioned last Christmas. <laughs> yeah, or a Muppets Christmas Carol, which is one of my favorites. I... I actually just bought it not too long ago, and I think I watched it twice in 24 hours. It's a great movie. That's how bad I was nerding out. And that's the Scrooge that has Michael Caine. My cocaine. My cocaine, which he's a really good Scrooge in that. I mean, he's playing off Muppets like like a professional. Yeah, he definitely brought his A game. Um, But anyway, and another thing that people kind of borrow from is it's a wonderful life that Mm -hmm. whole Mm -hmm. concept that around this time of year people get down to the dumps uh things aren't looking so great for them and they decide oh i wish i wasn't born life would have been better without me and they somehow an angel whatever comes out of nowhere is like no no you were without you this this whole thing would just be topsy-turvy and all your friends and loved ones would just be miserable. <laughs> you know, I'm waiting for the day when somebody just goes with it and the guy's like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with them being miserable. Get me out of here. 
That'd be a very dark Christmas like, movie. Maybe it'd be better if you were never born, and it just ends with him jumping and killing himself. It'd be a little dark, but yeah. Ooh, I've said too much. Somebody's gonna do it now. Damn. So tonight we're gonna take the classic. Since, like you said, it's been done. Christmas Carol and and It's Wonderful Life ideas have been done before. Is Dakota had this idea that I was like, hey, that could be really cool to take a famous icon from the movies and put them into one of these scenarios. And we got a little, we took it so many ways. I mean, I was thinking about, uh, uh, I could do it with snake Pliskin. Um, <laughs> another one that came up was Ash from the evil dead, but I was like, I already used Ash. Can't use him again. Yeah. At least not till the next uh, year. Off the table. Yeah. <laughs> Give it time. Let um, him rest. Uh, another one was Harry Potter. We talked about using Captain America. Um, but the one I decided to go with tonight was to take the character of Batman and use him in A Christmas Carol. What about you, Stephen? What are you going with tonight? Batman and Christmas Carol. It's an interesting idea. Now, you told me it's a specific Batman, too. Yes. Because like, we're doing movie icons but there's been a lot of batmans so which batman is it i am going with michael keaton's batman not michael kane who is alfred later but michael keaton <laughs> so michael keaton's batman and i am doing indiana jones in a it's a wonderful life type movie and so that's that's honestly i was i was a little surprised when you picked that Just... yeah well and it's because it's partially becoming a defense on I'm kind of sick of this whole he wasn't necessary to the plot of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I realize when you take this idea of It's a Wonderful Life and, and you know, we'll do, I'll do more than that, but you bring in that, you realize he is necessary in that movie. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. But do you want to go first? You know what? I'm going to let you. I went first oh, last time. Okay. I went first last All right. time. <laughs> All right. So I have, it's, I have uh, Indiana Jones <clears throat> in an It's a Wonderful Life type story. So... So I wasn't quite sure what brings him to this point. I thought maybe it could be, you know, when he first kind of gets into this stuff, it, it was like a fortune and glory thing. That's what we see in the, the not the first movie made, but the movie that dated the earliest, which is Temple of Doom. He's like, fortune and glory, kid. But then in that movie, he learns that it was more important to protect these artifacts and help people than uh, just have it all be for fortune and glory. And then we get into uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, where, of course, he discovers uh, where's part of the plot of protecting the Ark of the Covenant from getting into the Nazis' hands. And then, uh, once again, in the next, in the final one, um, the Holy Grail from getting in Nazis' hands. But what kind of happens is you have Indiana Jones, who ends up getting himself into these situations where... It's like, not just like, you know, he finds other artifacts. He brings back, you know, uh, opals and things like that that look good in museums and stuff. But he always gets himself entangled in these big, these big things that kind of maybe bring a level of mortality to him that he has to think about. And he's even looked mortality dead in the eye in the Holy Grail when he sees his father dying and he has to go through this the situation, but if he kind of got to a place where he kind of kind of loses himself and all this stuff, like where it's like, oh, it's 
I, I you know he just kind of kind of falls falls into this stupor of nothing matters anymore and what have I been living for? I saw all these things and yet I'm still here and I'm just this this guy and in kind of a level of unimportance when he's looking at the scheme of things so that he was in. Can I I don't mean to interrupt you but I'm I feel like I have to. So whereabouts would this be taking place in his life? So I thought this could take place kind of a little late like after all the well, let's pretend Kingdom of Crystal Skull doesn't <laughs> exist. I'm okay with that for some but, reason. But at the same time, this would take place before that anyway. Okay. This would be after so, the main trilogy. So essentially when he was still Indiana Jones as we know him, not old man. Yeah, he's not Ford. He's not an old man, but he's like, we'll call this like, it's like a midlife crisis situation okay. where he's like, oh man, I've done all these things, seen all these things, been a part of these things, and yet it all still feels kind of meaningless and, and I don't know what my life has been. Yeah. I've protected treasures, but I really don't even know who I am kind of a thing. And he falls into the situation that happens in it's a wonderful life. But this is where I got stuck because it's like, you don't really want it maybe to be, do you go total? It's a wonderful life. And an angel comes on the scene because in Indiana Jones is, I mean, obviously there's a lot of, people in the real world that think angels do exist and things like that. But even in his world, angels exist in his mind if, because in his world, um, sorry, atheist, but God apparently exists in his world because <laughs> we see the power yeah. of the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail and things like that. And so I thought it would be interesting if maybe you did leave it at that since he did get involved in these spiritual things where if it was kind of more, of he just isn't he's just kind of has that George Bailey moment and kind of a person comes on the scene that he doesn't know is an angel which could be similar to the movie but I thought in this it would be the guy doesn't just blatantly go I'm an angel like what happens in It's a Wonderful Life but is a little more you know one way you could kind of tinker with it is have it be an angel but not an angel per se but have it be death. Like he's cheated death so many times that death. <laughs> well, as he, you could have it be, yeah, like a form of that. Because I thought what it could be is like have it be an angel, but like kind of a mysterious figure where you can't quite tell where they fall on the spectrum. Oh, okay, that where, works too. I mean, where they're kind of like mysterious in a way where it's like, well, are they good or bad? You know, and kind of have it kind of hang there. Well, anyway, this this angel entity um says so it sounds like what you're telling me through all of this is that you don't feel like your life meant anything and you'd be better off not existing and indy goes yeah honestly there's a lot of days where i do feel that way where i, I just don't understand it all i've seen all these things and yet it all's such a vapor you know with things like that where there's nothing to grab onto and latch to and and maybe Indy even has a deeper sense of that because of what he's seen. And so he gets this offer. He goes, okay, um, I can, I can make this happen. And he goes, and, and Indy kind of, Indy kind of 
reluctantly is trying to understand or not reluctantly, but like trying to like decide how this goes. And he's like, he's like, I don't under, I don't understand. You're telling me that this, this can be a real thing. And he goes, yeah, he goes, you're telling me at this point you still can't, you don't, you don't think that that something like this could happen and all the supernatural things you've seen. And so you have kind of Indy still like not quite to that point of like ready to like basically suicide his existence. But this, this angel offers him the chance to see what it would be like and for Indy to maybe kind of, kind of weigh out his, 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 his options here. And so this is where he's going to get into defense of, of, of Raiders a little bit here. Cause you go back and first off the university is, is crumbling and falling about the university he works at is doing terrible because honestly the history department is what was keeping it alive. Um, the fact that they did have Dr. Jones there bringing his prestige, bringing his money into it because he was always bringing things for the local museum and he kind of made it, he was almost in a way like a local, a local, uh, patron in a lot of ways because he brought a lot of money and artifacts to the local museums, which brought people into the university and brought not just girls who thought he was cute into his classroom, but like legitimate people because he was a very intelligent man. And so he's seeing that really what it was his legacy, not necessarily out in the Indiana Jones adventure world, but his, his educational legacy is not there. And he's, he's kind of seeing that he wasn't even thinking about that aspect of his life. It was because it's something that we don't even think about so much that he was an educator, but he's seeing that fall apart. He's seeing that not, not happen. He's seeing, uh, his, his great kooky friend, Marcus, like just kind of be in a sense, kind of the, the local kook curator because he didn't have Indy to kind of, uh, level him out and things like that and bring those things in there and things like that. And so you have that aspect of it. And the other thing that he realizes is not only is that university falling apart, but everything looks a little different. He can't quite, he can't quite place it, but there's a lot of things that just, that just don't feel right. Like it, like it looks like the town he remembers, but there's just something that he can't quite put his finger on. And then he gets stopped by an officer, but he's in a police officer uniform he's never seen before. And he's trying to understand what's going on. And he almost, so what's happening here is we're getting into almost like a man in the high castle type scenario. Okay. Because what's happened is Indy is what helped stop the third Reich from taking complete power supernaturally (laughs) because even though what it feels like in the movie is that Indy was just kind of the guy you followed and brought you into the story, which he was, but because of him, they were a little more rushed on, um, the, the bad guys. There was a little more rushed on, um, doing his little ceremony on the arc. He did it at this submarine base at the end of the movie, which we all know in the melting, <laughs> things like that. But then that never happened because what was going to happen before Belloc was rushed and had to do it on the Island is they were going to take it back to Berlin. So what would have happened is it would have gone back to Berlin. Something similar to that still would have happened, but because Indy was alive in the original timeline that we know, and then happened on that Island, all the guys there died except him and Marianne. Cause they, you know, close their eyes, looked away. It fell into Americans' hands, got hammered into that 
crate and hidden in a warehouse. But because it happened in Berlin, in this alternate reality, when Belloc doing his ceremony there, it all failed. Hitler was just like, that is first failure. We try again. You know, and because Hitler wasn't, it didn't seem like, it seemed like the whole ceremony thing was more of a Belloc thing. Yeah. Where Belloc kind of, you see, you know, he puts on this whole priestly thing and does this whole like bastardized ceremony where it's like he takes this Christian artifacts and adds all his pagan things to it is really what was happening there. And then it's really God just shutting them all down with lightning and melting because he was, he was, uh, tampering with this holy item is, is really what that was. And so you have this, you have this, uh, Belloc do that, but, and so Belloc is still gone, but Hitler comes at it a little more slowly and ends up using it for, for power item. And he gets his hands on, if you want to get real deep cut (laughs) with indie knowledge, gets his hands on the spear of destiny, which, because that was another holy artifact he was going after. And again, this is in this reality where these things do have a supernatural thing to them and and so using this reality you just got to kind of go with this whole thing that there were there were power <laughs> it's like a mini earthquake and uh and so indy's just seeing has seen the world come under the reign of what is essentially what becomes a man in the high castle type situation and things like that and so we see it kind of is Indy realizing that um, not only was his work important in the education world, you know, because he he built up a, a, a legacy in education of people caring about history and artifacts and things like that, but also he was partially responsible for not preventing World War II, but keeping the Nazis from gaining the power they could have gained. And... Uh, and so, you know, he comes back and realizes that he did have a wonderful life or he does have a wonderful life and he marries Marion and they give birth to Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Uh, no, but that is my... Is that how it ends? They give birth to the kid? They give... Well, I mean, it ends with him realizing that, you know, because he, he always squandered his time with Marion. So I thought it'd be good if oh, it ended okay. with him... Like, uh, you know, Marion was always his love. You know, yeah, like Kate Capshaw was kind of just this fling that was a part of that part. Of, but she she was actually, well, not before Marion, because Marion was supposed to be, I think, back when he was still like a student. But it lasted, Raiders of the Lost Ark was him kind of coming back to Marion. And then, of course, in Last Crusade, it was more about him and his dad. But he realizes he had squandered all this time, and he seeks out Marion and kind of... redeems that relationship quicker than kingdom of the crystal skull you know where oh i get you you know so so this would have been like an alternate timeline essentially so this this is the other thing with this this would have erased kingdom of the crystal skull which once again i have no problem with that so because this would have caused him to reevaluate everything and go and realize like i've squandered here i thought i was squandering all this time but really what i've been squandering is being with marion you know, my dad, you know, getting to know my dad better and things like that. So it would have just kind of healed all these things in his life. And he would have truly seen that 
Um, his accomplishments are great, and he should be happy the things he has done. And it caused him to not not just to like oh pat myself on the back, but then pursue um, the human interactions that he had been avoiding, like Marion and his dad. So there you go, and it erases Kingdom of Crystal Skull. <laughs> I feel like that's what you're driving at. Like that's the real purpose <laughs> that you're the real goal you're trying to achieve. Maybe a little bit. No, but Okay. So anyway, that is uh Indie, your life is wonderful. Working title. Yeah, that that <laughs> could actually get pretty dark, uh, because I have seen Man in the High Castle. Yeah. I watched the first well, season. Well and I did, yeah. I mean you could go with wherever you wanted to go with the whole politics, how you wanted to handle the Nazis kinda having more control. But either way, it wouldn't have been good. I mean, you know, <laughs> no. it would have been bad. There would have been more zeppelins, which would have been cool. <laughs> Everybody likes zeppelins, so. But what do you got? So you got it's uh uh. Oh uh, yeah! Don't try reading Batman. That. Yes, I I'm doing Batman Christmas Carol. I'm doing the story of a Christmas Carol, but with Batman in, instead of Scrooge, and uh, I feel like. I spent too much time with this, folks, <laughs> and I'm going to explain it to you now. I actually have the intro to my fi- my film already in my head, and I'm going to explain it to you. The movie's going to kind of start, um, yeah, for those of you who saw Fantastic Beasts, it essentially was like just a rush of newspapers, but in my- Extra, it- extra, read all about it! But in mine, it's going to be a little bit different because there's going to be radio announcements- uh, TV, uh, uh, people on the news and now, uh, kind of it doing exposition for what's going on. Okay. And essentially it's going to, this movie is going to blow away, um, everyone. No, the, <laughs> the Schumacher Batman movies, because I hated them. See, see, you can no, listen to this. So much. He's being hard on me for trying to erase King Crystal Skull. I think we can all say an ulterior motive here is that he's trying to erase Schumacher films. No, because they could have done better. <laughs> they could have done better sticking with the style of Tim Burton, especially. Well, that's what Schumacher did, though. No, he didn't. No. But it was all still gothic-y. No. <laughs> no. I refuse to accept that Bane, that Poison Ivy, that Two-Face, that Riddler. And I honestly... Would love to see how Tim Burton would have done Mr. Freeze, Killer Croc. Um, the reason I'm bringing up all these villains is here's what's going to happen. The beginning of this movie happens. We're, we're seeing all these clips about how Batman's taken on this villain. Uh, Harvey Dent's been horribly scarred and gone missing. And it's going to gonna be like four minutes of exposition. We're explaining all these villains. Through you know. radio announcers? Uh Newspapers, newspapers, TV, yeah, gotcha. And you know, there's a giant man-sized crocodile in the sewers that's eating people, and uh, just all this stuff. The the Joker, of course, would be dead. Um, Ooh, spoiler alert! My one problem, <laughs> of course, Danny. That would mean since I'm going with Tim Burton, I gotta accept his version of the Penguin, but which I was never really 100% on. <laughs> but it means we get Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, which I was 10,000% on. <laughs> so it's a win-win. Or it's a win-lose situation. It's a, it's a <laughs> but I like I like it. Anyway, moving on. So anyway, Batman kind of goes on in his career. He's taking on all these, uh, all these villains. Uh, Riddler shows up. Not Jim Carrey, though. Not Jim Carrey. Uh, he 
Now, right on the spot here, I want you to spitball a name. <laughs> who who would be your who would be a potential Riddler that you would have liked to have seen in this timeline? Uh, Crispin Glover. Okay, Crispin yes. Glover. Crispin Glover. I think Marty McFly's dad. For those of you who are like, who the heck is that? Yeah. Or if you couldn't get him because he was kind of a drama queen, Eric Stoltz. <laughs> I would have taken Eric, <laughs> Eric Stoltz, Stoltz just because he was so awkward, aka the first Marty McFly. <laughs> Yes, the failed Marty McFly, I guess. But he admitted to it, too. So. Yeah. But anyway, this is just going to be exposition. And then the film is literally going to start off with an explosion. <laughs> and what it is is, at this point in time, Commissioner Gordon, as we know him, is dead. Aww. But his daughter has actually become, Barbara Gordon has become Commissioner of of uh, the GCPD, the Gotham City Police Department. Wow. Okay, so Barbara Gordon is the commissioner. She's yes. the commish. Yes. Um, yeah, she's a little young, but she's she's also kind tough of, as nails. Yes, exactly. And you could you could have it that when she was younger, she was Batgirl, but you just won't really get into that. Anyway, uh, GCPD gets attacked. Insane number of cops killed. Here's where it gets crazy. A bunch of Batman's villains have gotten together. Okay. And they're pulling all these heists, uh, like murders, robberies, all over the city. And this has kind of been the crescendo of it all. They break in. They murder all these cops. You're going to have Mr. Freeze there. You're going to have Killer Croc. You're going to have uh, not necessarily Penguin. Are you trying to avoid yes, using Yes, yes, I'm use, avoid using Ping. He's dead. He's dead in this universe, just like you can't use the Joker. <laughs> but you can use others like, uh, uh, I mentioned Scarecrow. Uh, good Lord, I'm, I'm having drawing a blank on Batman villains. Um, Would you use Man Bat? Ooh, no, no. No Man no, Bat? No Man Bat. A little, a little too... That's a little too how about, how about the Clock King? No. <laughs> no Clock King? I'm, I'm trying to think of other... Hugo Strange? Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. But anyway, so they attacked the she GC... Was, she'd be really crazy if there's no Joker alive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'll get back to that later when I'm done. Anyway, so they attacked the GCPD just to get Barbara Gordon. And on the flip side of that, they filmed it and they left a the videotape behind. And it's essentially... Mr. Freeze telling Batman in this videotape, if you want Barbara Gordon back, you're going to have to come to this place. And it's essentially an abandoned uh, an abandoned warehouse. And Batman goes there. Uh, right off the bat, he gets attacked by guys with missile launchers and miniguns. <laughs> uh, essentially, I'm assume, I'm gonna, just going to go out and say it's Harley Quinn's men because they're dressed up like clowns wearing tutus and spandex. Will there be hyenas? No, no hyenas. (laughs) No hyenas. I'm sorry, folks. (laughs) We're on a budget here. But anyway, he takes them down uh, pretty simply. Uh, He starts making towards an entrance. Uh, Next thing you know, boom, gunshot to the back of the head. He hits the ground. Turns out Deadshot is crouched out on a uh, nearby nearby building and has been waiting for him to show up. So Deadshot kind of keeps his gun trained on him. Thinking, thinking. Okay, I got him. So he goes to he goes to uh, goes to uh, put in another bullet in the gun. Batman all of a sudden gets up and disappears into the shadows. 
There's more scanning the rooftops looking for him. Eventually, Batman shows up behind him, knocks him out. Anyway, so he <laughs> makes it. He makes it into the building, and here's where I'm going with this. He's eventually. He's going to face every single one of his major villains in this warehouse. Okay. They're, they're all laying traps for him. And So it's kind of like the his labyrinth. Yes. He has to make it through all these challenges in a way? Yes. And he, okay. along the lines, he faces fear, uh, Scarecrow's fear toxin. Um, I figured you could also throw the Mad Hatter in at this point. What about Scarface? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Scarface was a dummy, like an actual dummy that was controlled by like just a frumpy bald man. Yes. <laughs> I don't know I don't know how he would how he would do in the fight. I just He would just Tommy gun. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so he's going through all this, he takes on Killer Killer Croc, um beats Killer Croc, and what he doesn't realize is that while he's been going through this whole building, he's been he's been watched this whole time. Someone's watching him on these monitors. Eventually, he makes it to the the very top, and Bane's there waiting for him. And, you know, they kind of have this little thing, and Bane makes a speech about how, I've been waiting for you. And the way Bane is going to look is not like Tom Hardy or the way he was in the movie. Uh, I think it was Batman and Robin. But essentially, he's going to be a combination of the two. Where he's yeah. very physical and also just a martial arts master. So incredibly dangerous. <laughs> but he also has his, his uh, serum, so he's incredibly strong. So him and Batman go at it. And uh, naturally, Bane gets the upper hand. And it comes to the moment where he's getting ready to... Uh, to pick up Batman and break him over his knee. Batman at this point in time just kind of loses his mind. <laughs> okay. He just he just can't think of losing to Bane. So he fights really dirty. He pulls out uh like one of his sharpened batarangs and just takes out Bane's eyes. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, this is getting pretty dark, I know, but stick Are you stay sure with this me. isn't the Ben Affleck Batman. <laughs> <laughs> takes out Bane's eyes and just proceeds to like cripple him. He takes out his knee, takes out his foot, and then when Bane is on the ground, kind of barely unable to move, Batman does something, crosses the line, essentially. He uh, puts his hand over Bane's mouth and essentially just just, just kills him. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I know, dark territory. Now, in this one, is Bane Latino? Yes. Okay. I figured we'll get Jimmy Smiths to do the voice or something. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. So at this time, we find out that the person who was watching him was the Riddler. And he's going nuts like, oh my gosh, he just crossed the line. He just killed that man. <laughs> what is he doing? So he comes out of the, the room he was hiding in, and he confronts Batman, and then Batman just beats him severely like just relentlessly starts wailing on the riddler yeah oh wow and just beats him to a bloody pulp and then finally he's like where's barbara and then it gets even darker at this moment when the riddler's like i killed her the moment you showed up holy cow yeah it's getting dark folks but stick with me and he actually did kill her that's not like a yeah so 
Batman takes it a stretch further. He then strangles the life out of the Riddler. Then, it, oh, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. He uh, he finds some bombs in the building. He essentially just kind of primes them in certain spots, makes sure everyone he's defeated is inside, blows the building. Okay. Then it gets better. He goes. He picks up a gun, goes through the wreckage just to make sure there's any survivors. He finds... He finds one of Harley Quinn's goons, shoots him point blank. Anyway. So how we, is this we, Christmas Carol? <laughs> <laughs> we then cut 15 years into the future, and it's Christmas. Uh, it's two days before Christmas. Okay. And we're, we're seeing a Bruce Wayne who's a little bit older, but almost to the point where he's like dirty hairy in a way. He's really sour, just really angry. And at this point in time, Bruce Wayne is mostly known for being a business tycoon. Okay. And we'll get into why he's like that later. But essentially, essentially, we kind of see him doing his job. We find out that uh, one of his one of his rivals in the business world that uh, Bruce Wayne recently acquired his company, and his first his first act kind of was to was to fire every one of the employees in this company, which was a huge company and he tells the guy i'm gonna dissolve the company so your entire life's work is now just completely meaningless and i own everything you've created okay kind of just this and it's it's gonna be somewhere along the lines of how jesse eisenberg was in the social network okay but it's gonna be michael keaton so it's gonna be a hundred times more intense and legit (laughs) <laughs> probably a little bit scary too so anyway bruce bruce leaves um leaves the building goes downstairs to his uh where his i don't know lamborghini is <laughs> jumps in is kind of just kind of just driving around gotham which just looks like crap it's like there's pollution everywhere homeless everywhere uh he gets a call from selena kyle who's still alive because technically she wasn't a villain, only technically. And she's asking him, what are you doing for Christmas? You should come over. And he's he's just not having any of it. He's like, nope, I'm going home, sitting by, sitting down, and just just trying to forget this day happened because it's the anniversary of when he killed all his villains. Okay. And Selena Kyle's like, oh, Bruce, don't be that way. He's like, she tra- she." She, you know, teasing him, trying to get him to come over to her place, and he's not having any of it. So he goes home, and Wayne Manor just looks like crap at this point. (laughs) I mean, just looks abandoned. So is he sitting in one room with a bunch of locks on the door? (laughs) (laughs) No, but anyway, he goes inside his place, and it just looks dirty and like it hasn't been cleaned in forever. And this is where Ace the Bat Hound is going to show up, but he's just he's just a he's just a dog. He's not. There's nothing special about him. <laughs> and that's essentially his own companionship. He goes into the kitchen, opens up some dog food, takes a couple bites himself. <laughs> then opens up this giant cabinet of whiskey and just like proceeds to pour himself drink after drink. Well, he's the Punisher. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he's getting drunk on whiskey. But anyway, he's he's just drinking and he keeps hearing voices of the night everything happened and he can't take it and he's just drinking more and more and then but the more he drinks the more angrier he gets and eventually he stumbles down to the back cave which hasn't been 
in use forever because all his enemies are dead. And he essentially just kind of kind of starts beating the crap out of the bat suit. And he just okay. collapses on the floor. Anyway, he wakes up in the morning, just kind of like looks in the mirror, washes his face, pops some pops some ibuprofen, doesn't bother showering or brushing his teeth, just throws on some new clothes, and essentially there's going to be clothes everywhere because he doesn't he doesn't wash or wash his clothes or anything. Wow, he's and then just a, he's a rough guy, and then goes goes to work and he receives news like the business uh, the business rival he had shot himself the night before. And, Bruce just kind of chuckles to himself. He's like, well, he really had nothing else going for him. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. So Bruce is sitting in his office that night, and uh, it's the day before uh, It's the day before the day before Christmas. Okay. December so, 23rd. Yeah. And he's he just doesn't feel like going home, so he starts just pounding drinks. He has a giant bar in his office. He starts pounding drinks, and then he hears somebody at his door trying to get in goes opens the door no one's there slams the door just kind of was like huh goes back to uh goes back to his desk continues to just drink and then he hears somebody at the door again goes there nobody's there goes and sits down again this is this happens a couple times finally he's it happens again he's angry he goes to the door opens it up it's alfred but Alfred has been dead for years, folks. So he looks horrible. Essentially looks like a zombie. And Alfred is like really jovial, actually happy to see Bruce. And he says in that very British ad- accent, good evening, Master Bruce. And Bruce just loses his mind. He slams the door and just just is on the verge of like having a heart attack. He thinks he's hallucinating. And next thing you know, Bruce kind of kind of says, "What do I do? What do I do next?" So he runs to his phone, or runs to his desk, picks up the phone. And he's like, "I'm gonna call security. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Someone's playing a joke on me." Uh, at that point in time, Alfred appears behind him, and Bruce is still freaking out. And then out of nowhere, Commissioner Gordon appears, also looking like a zombie because he's been dead forever. Okay. And Bruce is just essentially saying, "Okay, I've officially, I've officially gone insane. This is, this isn't real." And that's when they tell him, "Like, yeah, we're real, Bruce." And they, they start telling him, sharing stories about, "Oh, you remember that time when you were eight? Or I remember, I remember when I first saw you as Batman." And just, just kind of, eventually, he calms down, and and that's when they hit him with the fact that. The three ghosts are going to come see him, uh, past, present, future, and he. So did, there's literally like an hour of movie before <laughs> we get to the Christmas Carol part. About forty minutes. <laughs> about forty minutes of movie. Okay. And anyway, so he thinks this is all a joke, and that's when Alfred kind of just gets a little rough. He smacks him upside the face, and you know says, "What's wrong with you, Bruce? You didn't used to be so." And then, yeah, there's some more stuff, and eventually what happens is uh, he starts seeing ghosts of his former villains, and they're telling him things, and he's just losing his mind. And then next thing you know, he's when he comes to, he's actually standing on a ledge. 
and he's looking down off off a of Wayne Tower. And he's like, "Oh my gosh, I've officially lost my mind." <laughs> so he goes about his day. Uh, it's Christmas Eve at this point, and then he's he's just like, just like sweating bullets because he's like, "I don't know what happened last night, but I think I'm on the verge of just killing myself." Wow. <laughs> and he has no one to turn to. He goes to Selena, and she's just like. She just thinks he's just drunk, just insanely drunk. <laughs> so he has nowhere to go to. Eventually, he winds up back at his place, and he he seals himself in the bat cave with with his loyal bat hound and <laughs> a bunch of whiskey. Well, eventually, the ghost of Christmas past shows up, and she takes Bruce back to his childhood. And so, who is what does the ghost of Christmas past look like? Um, like, does it look like his mom? Or no, that would no, be that would be that'd be weird. That'd be really haunting. <laughs> that w- I think yeah. that would fit this crazy dark. <laughs> it's not that dark. I mean, you want to give? He killed all his villains. She would. <laughs> I don't know. She'd look like Galadriel from <laughs> Lord of the Rings. I guess. Okay. Just except really white, just like. Okay. Uh, but anyway, she takes him to his childhood and. And then he's kind of getting into this. Well, you know, he sees his dad playing with him and his mom, you know, kind of giving him a bath and everything. And he kind of like, for the first time in a long time, feels like sad, like he misses his parents. And then she ruins the effect by taking him back to the night when they were killed. And he just drops to his knees and just like starts crying. And then next thing you know, he's 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 back in the back gate. And he stands up, he's like, he kind of composes himself like that didn't happen, and then the ghost of Christmas past standing behind him like yeah it did happen, and nice. she she kind of gives gives warning that the ghost of Christmas present is on his way. Anyway, the ghost of Christmas present present uh, present shows up, and I'm just gonna say uh, he looks like John Candy back in John Candy's prime, <laughs> just this big funny guy who's cracking jokes so kevin james (laughs) no no how dare you (laughs) i just wanted to make you say how dare you oh my (laughs) so anyway he takes he takes bruce and he's like you lost your way at some point in time you forgot that this is your city and you used to look out for these people and he takes them around town and shows them all these people who are homeless poor um then takes him to his uh, his employee's house, and they're having like this. They're also really poor, but they're having like one heck of a Christmas Eve party. They're all just getting drunk and uh, kissing each other under the mistletoe and having a good time. And <laughs> and then someone starts trash talking Bruce Wayne, and then they all start doing it. And he's like, "So this is what they really think of me, huh?" And he's like, "I don't care." I'm Bruce Wayne. I don't. I don't need people to carry darkness. <laughs> no parents. <laughs> but anyway, uh, going on, uh, he really screws over Bruce because he's he's like, "Well, I'll take you somewhere you probably don't really want to go," and he takes him to go see Robin, or who once was Robin. Okay. This is it's getting dark again. <laughs> we find out that this Robin, because of everything that happened to him when he was a kid, is kind of messed up and is actually in an insane asylum. 
not a good insane, insane asylum either. Well, like, it's Gotham City. <laughs> of course, it's not good. Like one where you know every night is like electroshock therapy, and the guards are like carrying around billy clubs, and they ain't afraid to use them. <laughs> and he kind of sees his his ward, his former ward, and it just it just breaks him down a little bit more. He he thinks to himself, so, "Oh man, I who's Robin in this?" Well, I know version. I know back when they were Robin was in the script for Tim Burton's Batman movie, they were looking at Marlon Wayans. I don't know if we want to take that route. It's up to you, man. Chris O'Donnell is off the table. Oh <laughs> yeah, uh, but I will settle for. Shia LaBeouf? I'll settle, I'll settle for Shia LaBeouf, only because he's already crazy. <laughs> okay. All right, there we go. Or Evan Peters. Evan Peters would make a good crazy person. Yeah. 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 But after that, it just breaks him, and by the end of it, Bruce is just like, I just want to go home. Just, just leave me alone. And, you know... They go back to go back to Bruce's back cave and and the the ghost of Christmas per, present is having a drink with Bruce and he's like, "Oh, it's not that bad. Why are you crying, man? You don't care about any of these people. You're Bruce Wayne. Look at you. You're living in this giant house with all your moldy old furniture and <laughs> your ugly dirty clothes and your dog who essentially just looks up to you because you feed him and no other reason. And Bruce just can't stop crying. And the ghost is just drinking his booze like there's no tomorrow. And he's like, well, I got to go. I got further further appointments. But you have a good night. And then he warns about the third ghost, the ghost of Christmas future. He's like, just to let you know. That guy scares the crap out of even me. <laughs> and he just leaves and Bruce is sitting there like, I don't want any more of this crap. I'm done. And he's just he's just raging and he actually um in a weird twist, he starts gathering up all the alcohol in the house and starts flushing it down the sink. And and he keeps doing this until until uh his his big clock in his living room starts chiming. It's it's uh, eleven o'clock, the last hour before Christmas. And he's like, "Okay, I just, I just gotta, I just gotta survive one more hour, and I won't have to worry about this, this other ghost." And at right that moment, death appears. But he doesn't look as scary as you think. <laughs> Who is it? And what is it? What does death look like? He looks like an Ewok, just this short thing. Oh, so instead of going with a tall, hulking Grim Reaper, you're going with something small? Yeah. Okay. So. And he starts following, he starts following Bruce around the house. And Bruce is like, just not sure what to do. And eventually it gets to the point where Bruce tries to like run away from him. And that's when this, when he grows to like 15 feet tall and he, he pins Bruce down and he takes off his hood. And he's essentially just a, a skeleton under there. And he he like opens his mouth and he's like getting ready to swallow Bruce. That's when they that's when they go and he starts looking at. He takes him to the future essentially of Wayne Manor. And at this point in time, it's just a ruin. Like the gates open and 
he sees these kids who just broke in to see if they could like find anything to steal and this one of the kids starts telling the story of what happened to crazy old Bruce Wayne and how he uh he shot himself and everyone was essentially glad to be rid of him and people like broke into his house and just looted it and just this, all this stuff and and Bruce is like why you little punks how dare you break into my house and steal things and he's just ranting essentially to nobody because nobody <laughs> can hear him except death but death doesn't care or the ghost of Christmas present doesn't care. Christmas uh, future. Ghost of Christmas future. <laughs> yes, I'm getting ahead. I'm getting. I'm getting lost here. But. <laughs> so he takes him. He then. He then grabs Bruce, and for some reason, this one is able to fly. They go flying through the air, and he takes them through Gotham, and essentially, it's just a an ugly city at this point. Like huge sections of the city are just abandoned. So essentially how Detroit looks, I guess. <laughs> okay. But anyway, he takes him he takes him to Wayne Tower, which is condemned at this point. Apparently what happened when uh Bruce Wayne died is the company just went bankrupt and um he was essentially the the glue that held everything together. And once he was dead, nobody really cared to carry on his legacy. What's left of his company has been renamed. And uh, to add insult to industries, it, insult to injuries, we find out it's it's called Queen Incorporated. Oh little, boy! Little jab at all Oliver Queen. Nice. But that just for, makes Bruce a little bit angrier, and uh, he goes to he takes Bruce to to see where some of his former friends are. Uh, you find out that uh, eventually uh, Dick Grayson killed himself. Uh, you find out that uh, his his uh, most of his employees, once he was dead, like just just stole everything that they could of his. <laughs> you find out that uh, some of his uh, some of his so called friends, like the Flash, actually just just thought he was a, a nut because the Flash wrote a book talking about how crazy Batman was and everyone and, and to make matters worse he takes Bruce to the theater where his parents were shot and there's a movie playing Zorro no <laughs> it's called Attack of the Batman oh boy and he takes he takes Bruce into the theater sits him down gives him some popcorn and a pop and lets Bruce watch this this movie and it's essentially about how Batman was this homicidal maniac who killed people and the Gotham City PD was the only thing protecting protecting the people and it just blows his mind. And then uh and then of course he takes Bruce to his parents' grave and then he he actually starts to speak, he launches into this whole spiel of what do you think they would say if they saw you now? And that's when uh, he turns around and his parents are actually there and they kind of, they kind of look at him and they, they've been watching him and his mom just breaks down and runs and his dad is just looking at him like, how could you son? And his son, his Bruce all of a sudden is just like eight years old again or 10 years old, whenever he, how old he was when his parents were killed. And it just, he's just destroyed. He's just like, just like falls to the ground and cries and he's like 
just like, I'm sorry, I've, I've made all these mistakes and he's just losing his mind. And that's when, that's when everything just disappears and he's, he's back to Bruce at his original age and the ghost of Christmas prison is standing over him. He says, it's not too late. It's not too late to make up for all the bad you've done. And then essentially he wakes up in his in his bed or a pile of his clothes and his Christmas <laughs> his, his clothes pile mattress. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's when he kind of just sits there and he he mulls things over and um then we're going to see like fast forward like of a year and it's like he's opening like hospitals all over Gotham and he's opening like uh, cheap apartments for the poor and he's doing like the best he can to uh so he's essentially just bruce wayne now no no it gets better okay like because there's a lot of crime in the city still okay um we also find out that he's been like working out like insanely like every morning he just goes through this insane workout routine and the last thing we see it's the bat symbol over over gotham again and you see him standing in his Batman costume on top of uh on top of a building. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then cue the Danny Elfman music <laughs> and then fade to black. Fade to black. Or very dark gray. <laughs> <laughs> but that is that is I know it's a very dark take on a Christmas carol. That was also you had every detail worked out. You made Wow, you you like that's the whole script. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So that's interesting because when you brought that up I was like Batman as Scrooge, I couldn't quite process it. And then uh you proved it's possible. You proved that he's a perfect candidate for that type of treatment. And I think uh, somebody needs to make this comic book. I think this needs to at least be like it'd be a cool like uh, uh, what do they call it? Like a what if? Yeah, one shot. Do like a what if one shot type thing or an yeah. alternate reality one shot? It'd be kind of cool. It'd be kind of long and really violent. Yeah. Then Zack Snyder would read it. and He'd be like, "I need to make this I need into to make a movie, this, but no one will talk, and it'll just be <laughs> slow mo visuals." <laughs> so, well, that's interesting. So, I, we both did really depressing movies, although they both kind of end on high notes, if you can consider a man going back to beating up criminals in the dark a high note. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I mean, why not? <laughs> I do. Mine, I uh, I guess I kind of gave like the classic happy ending, but uh, yeah. So, in true tradition of Dakota Boys and doing a very different Christmas type episode like we, last year we talked about uh, Christmas movies that nobody really thinks of we decided this year to go down this route and hopefully you enjoyed listening to um, a couple random Christmas twist pitch ideas and uh, yeah we'd be interested maybe you'd be like you know who would be a really cool uh, Scrooge option or you know who would work really well in Elf or what? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever Christmas movie that you think would be cool to stick uh, some iconic character into, yeah, let us know. And you can let us know in places like 
uh, YouTube and and uh, and Facebook and those types of places. Like uh, you know, we're there, and so we hope you subscribe to us on those things. And we're hoping to keep coming to you more in the future with more reviews and more just talking about movies and things like that. Doing some more of our maybe like list things that we do and things like that. So yeah, we hope you're subscribing to us on those places. And like I've been mentioning, we're on Stitcher now also on kind of to be the, which is kind of the, uh, uh, Android side of iTunes and those things. But yeah, hope you'll do that and hope you keep listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you have a Merry Christmas. Even though we kind of talked about darker <laughs> themes. We do. We hope you have a Merry Christmas. And so I think with that, we'll end the show. So this is Steven. And this is Dakota. And don't believe the song, kids. Batman does not smell. <laughs> unless you're in Dakota's alternate reality, where barely he does kind of smell. A little bit. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye.